All right, we are back again. Got the boys together. It's been a while. It's been a while. Big Hunt Guys podcast. Yeah, when, when have we all three been together? It's been a, been a hot minute. You yeah. were holding it down while we were gone. Yeah, oh yeah, that was last time <laughs> I said, I'm going to hold the fort down where you guys are out having you, fun, huh? You had Cody Nelson in the office. You guys dove deep into the optics. Yep, a bunch of optics podcasts. And I listened to that one yesterday about spotting scopes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuggets in those. Oh, I, w- like, you, you got to give it... Uh, you know the full attention and, and really listen through because that was a long one the last one but like there's yeah. some some little tucked in hidden gems in that mm-hmm. like i learned i learned quite a bit i suppose i was i have a hard time like thinking of what the podcast description should be because there is like you said so many different things in that that's why mm-hmm. it's like just listen to the whole thing because there's glassing tips there's tripod setup there's you know objectives on spotters and this like techniques about glassing it's not just you know what the title always says the podcast is there's always something you can learn yeah and they they launched the swarovski scopes and yeah well while i was out hunting and i remember seeing that while i was out there and being like what Ooh, yeah, what is nice. this nice pretty's pretty's automatic not 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 enough zoom for me oh i need one bad that's yeah. like right you, at think, my, you think it'd be uh, useful yeah yeah man that's right up my alley because like I've, I've been packing in a 65 forever mm-hmm just the 20 by 60 by 65 and just the, the size of these new ones and the yeah. weight savings. The only thing, the only thing that's holding me back is the price tag. Yeah. Which is kind of steep for a scope that small, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's a Swarrow, right? It literally looks like a toy. Like those photos I posted with in my yeah. hand, like it's so small. Yeah. What does it look like? I mean, I, I we're going to get into a whole other topic, <laughs> but like before we get going, no, Neville says no. Neville says no. We got to keep you one, guys on. One question, one question. <laughs> okay. I just want to First say what, uh, what are you guys, what product are you guys talking about? The Swarovski ATC and STC, it's like the 17 by 17 to 40 power. I think it's a 50. 50 millimeter objective. Yeah. Which is, which is a brand new, brand new offering just from Swarovs. If you haven't seen them, check them out. They are tiny. Tiny. I and, mean tiny. And the thing that's crazy is they are so freaking bright. I was blown away. Like it, to- it totally reminded me of looking through an NL Pure. Like I haven't hunted with NL Pures, but I've you know grabbed them out of the shop and looked out backyard here. But it's crazy what technology we can keep doing. Yeah, that was my question. It was like optically. Yeah, optically it's phenomenal. W- really? Oh, yeah. I was looking at the leaves, just like the leaves flittering around. At, even at seven, like we talked on the podcast a little bit with Cody about like how when you always go to mag- full magnification on a, on a spotter, mm-hmm. you always lose a little bit of like clarity. Yeah, clarity. You always kind of, you don't want to go max, you have to back it off just a little bit. This one felt like I could go 40 power all day God. and see so many details. See, the thing about that is, is like, there's a lot of times that I can justify leaving my spotting scope in the truck. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, Elk Hunt, for example, New Mexico, we didn't pack one, but there were times when I was like, man, wished I had my spotter. Yep. But like that little guy. You can pack it Elk Hunt now. Yeah. I can probably justify throwing that in my backpack. Would you go angle the straight? That was the last question, Neville. Sorry. Well, that was the thing is like, I listened to your guys' podcast and I've always been an angled guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I just like an angled spotter just for the, the comfort, right? It seems like you're always looking uphill or downhill. So I've always liked an angle scope, but I, you know, Cody might be winning me over with like that target acquisition, just the ability to like mm-hmm. pull your binoculars off, put the spotter on and you immediately like mm-hmm. should have the same field of view essentially. Yeah. So I might go straight. Dang. Yeah. Ballsy. Might might go might go to a straight spotter. Dark. And I think that's the dark side. I know. And then the you know just packing that thing yeah. like yeah, I, a lot easier. It, it would fit in a lot of those pockets. I think in your backpack. Yeah. Really but again, easy. I want to see the thing. I want to. I might have to go check one. Do we have any? No, we don't have any. Not yet. yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I might have to wait. Next time I'm down in the office and we have one, and I might have to pick one up and just play with it. Well, if anybody wants to hear more <laughs> about these <laughs> these spotting scopes, you're lucky because we just had. Two episodes with Cody Nelson and Brady going over everything spotting scopes. Those are already out. You guys can check those out. I'm not for sure which episodes they were. They weren't too long ago, though. Yep, You'll see them. Cody, Cody Nelson 
and Brady breaking things down. So if you guys want to listen to some more in-depth stuff. Which it kind of leads into like topic discussion today because I did a ton of digiscoping on my, my Utah elk hunt. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty fun. I went back through my phone, you know, and just kind of checked. It's fun to like look at all the different bowls and stuff. Is the one more question. The objective, uh, the, the eyepiece itself, same size eyepiece as the like, regular 65 or the 80? Yep, so if you have the modular setup, it's the same size. So gotcha, if you have the so ATC it's, it's or, big. Yeah. Sweet, so mm-hmm. no no real issues then with yep. like So I, I can take it from my ATX and whatever size of digiscoping I already have, swap it right over. Cool. Yeah, that thing is slick. So yeah. let's, let's get into it, boys. Today, we will be talking about grip and grins. Grip and grin harvest photos. Yeah, and just filled photos in general, I yep. think. We're in the thick of hunting season. People are out having success, taking photos. We're going to give some tips and tricks on how to take better harvest photos. I feel like every hunter, that's like the first thing you learn. I'm just trying to think of like, when did you learn to ter- like how to take a good harvest photo? I'm like, oh, that had to been the first thing I learned when I was like 12 years old. Mm. I don't know if it is, though. I think it's something well, that's... once <laughs> you kill something, but... I think it's I've, something that's rooted, though, in the hunting tradition. We all love those memories. Like, I remember, you know, we hunted a lot in Minnesota and Wisconsin growing up. We'd go in local bars, oh, and they'd yeah. have, like, the big buck club things. Like, there'd be pictures all over the walls, all the big buck shot that year, like, printed photos. And they're all harvest photos. And some of them were good. Some of them were pretty bad. But just, like, those memories people are capturing. Those are my favorite. Like, you go to, like, some, you know, dive gas station, yep. you know, on the edge of some unit that you're hunting that you've never been into. You walk into it. They'll have a big cork board, inevitably, and they'll just have a bunch of pictures that are, you know, tacked to it. Mm-hmm. You don't see those too much anymore with like you know the invention of digital everything but those yeah. those boards are so cool and and i mean since i was a kid same thing i mean you go to the animony merc and everybody yeah. when i was a kid growing up you know you'd have all these people out of staters come in and buy deer tags and they would all post up their pictures right. you know on that yeah. cork board so yeah, definitely a deep tradition in the hunting community of harvest photos yeah when did it come become grip and grin i don't know whoever made that up but i don't know either what do you, how do you feel about it? Grip and grin. I don't really care about what the name is. I mean, I, I do grip it, and damn it, I do grin. So I guess it makes sense. <laughs> Neville is a smiler. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, uh, those harvest photos of Neville, he's always smiling. The most punchable face in the industry just <laughs> loves right. to smile. Just smiling. It's a, every time a harvest photo happens, it's always like uh, reminds me of back in high school when you're at prom and like those kind of shit where you have to sit there and all your parents take pictures and your face gets tired. You're like, Oh my God, I'm sick of smiling. (laughs) But it's the opposite on Harvest Foot. I'm like, I can sit here and smile all day. All day. Yeah. That's a good point is, uh, and I just told, I I just, you know, I killed this bull in Utah and I remember, you know, talking to to the camera guy that was with me, Kyam's his name. But, um, I remember, you know, kind of saying to him, you know, this is cause it was getting dark. It was, I killed him, you know, maybe an hour and a half before sunset. Um, and I remember telling him, like, he kept saying, we got to hurry up and we got to get some harvest photos before light goes out, right? Yeah. Which we can talk about, you know, how mm-hmm. to take dark, you know, in yep. the dark. But, um, yeah, I remember him just be like, being, we got we to get this done. We got to get it done. We got to get it done. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, like, we, you only get one chance. Mm-hmm. Like, you harvest an animal. You know, it's an animal you're excited about. You want to get harvest photos of or grip and grins, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. But, like, um yeah, you get one chance. That's yep. it. One chance. Yeah. So take take a lot. Yeah. I mean that that is that's how I think of it too. Is, I mean to me there, I don't know. I know there's a lot of different opinions on harvest photos. What some people don't like them. I'm in the complete opposite camp. Like I'm all for them, and I and I take them seriously, and I think they're important. And I think 
more just for like the memory aspect, right? Yep. Like you're saying, you get one chance, you harvest the animal, you worked hard to get it, and then like having good pictures that you can look back on, you know, 20 yeah. or 30 years later, and like, you know, you remember things. You remember what happened that day. You remember what you were doing. You remember the hunt. Mm-hmm. So like I, I, I take them very seriously and like they're important to me. Yeah. And I, I know some people have different different opinions on that, but... Yeah, I've hunted with a lot of people where we kill an animal and then they're like, all right, let's get this going. We got to cut this thing up. And like, they try mm-hmm. to rush through it. But it's like, I try to tell a lot of people that I hunt with, like, this is a, like Trails already said, like, this is a, we get one chance to do this. Mm-hmm. All year long, you've been preparing for this one moment. Yeah, you had all that excitement during the hunt and that was excitement too, but this is the, really the moment you prepared for is this, the kill. And you have to enjoy that. And so like, with the advent of cell phones and unlimited memories on our phones and giant memory cards and cameras, like there should be no reason you're only taking five, 10 harvest photos and calling that good. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, that's what I want to talk about too. in this is like the angles you're taking photos, like the setup's really important, you know, like we can dive into all that stuff. But it's just like literally dump the memory card. Yeah. Digital stuff is not taking up any, they ask going to take space up based on a hard drive, but you can always delete those later. Like you can't recreate that photo after you've already, pack that animal out like oh shoot i wish we would have done more of this pose or this was a really good angle and we should have taken at least three more of that because the guy was blinking or not looking at the camera like mm-hmm. taking the time to just take quality photos and take a ton of them so before i think we get into like the how to's like let's talk a little bit about like how do you feel you, you already said neville you're in favor of them mm-hmm. like you like them mm-hmm. why do you i mean why do you like them what what is it about it is it tradition I, I think it's a combination how i was raised like it's something that we've always done it's i think it's rooted deep in the hunting community tradition like you see old harvest photos from way back in the day i think i think it's a part of hunting and you know taking i think it, it shines light on you know and it gives you those memories that you can have forever yeah. like you don't you like i'm saying you look at that picture and you remember exactly what happened what happened that day what you're doing and it like takes you back to, to that time and then I mean without it you're just like going off you know in your head and you maybe might not just remember as vividly yeah. or as well I'll play devil's advocate a little bit um it's hard for me to do because I like gripping grins myself you know yeah. for the same reasons that you just expressed I mean I, I like to look back on memories I mean we, I've got photo albums of you know when I was a kid you know hunting with my dad and my brothers and same kind of thing you know um but I don't know, is it like in like the the invention of social media, you know, and, and everything being out there, you know, there's some people that would say, you know, you're glorifying, you know, the kill, right? So you've got Neville back there behind a bull elk that he just shot with his bow and he's smiling great big and, you know, you've just taken this animal's life. I mean, to me, I'm pr- I am proud of that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I went there, I did this, now I have meat for the whole entire year now, you know, like that was my goal leading up to that was to do this. So yeah, to like, to me, it, it's something I'm proud of and I want to show, yeah. it, you know, it's something I worked at, something that was hard, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't see what's so wrong with, you know, somebody being proud of what they did yeah. I th- and, I th- and th- having a picture of it. I think the best person in hunting industry who describes this really, really well, and I won't be able to explain how he does but if you want to just jump over, look at some of Jim Shockey's posts. Mm-hmm. Literally, when he posts a harvest photo, he just posted one of his moose a couple of days ago. It is the most well-written piece I've read in a long time. Give us a, a synopsis. Just like Cliff the, way, notes. the way he explains it, like he explains it like, yeah, I understand this might be weird to you on social media if you're not a hunter. 
but you have to realize like this moment is not just about smiling over a dead animal that I just killed. It's not like you're proud of just killing an animal. You're smiling because of all the other things that led up to it again. And again, like Neville's saying, this is just a, the point of the memory of that experience. And so, yes, you're smiling. I don't, I don't really know if I even like the harvest photos where guys don't smile. Mm. They're trying yeah. to look too serious, you know? You know, like a hard ass, huh? Yeah. Like a hard ass photo, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm, they're I'm like, not, I don't know why I'm doing it. Well, the thing is, like, think about everything you take photos that, that people are proud of. You know, getting married, stuff like you're, you're taking photos all the time of, like, glorifying something or achievement that happened. You're, mm-hmm. you're documenting only, a moment. Right. You're yeah. done. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with a harvest photo. It's just that it's a dead animal and some people... Yeah. So, so I think it's just don't now like it's harder with social media because you are going to have people who aren't hunters seeing it. And I just think they just don't understand why someone would smile over a dead animal. Cause you don't smile when you go to the store and pick up a steak, you know, like you're not like mm-hmm. that's a dead thing, but it's like, you're not through that. Pro- you didn't go through that process to acquire that meat in this way. It's something just totally different where, like I said, again, it's rooted in our history. I think to be behind an animal tastefully, and you're smiling because you are proud of that moment. You're proud of what you just did. And it was hard and you want to enjoy it. So I'm going to smile because that was the hardest thing you have done up to that year, probably. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're just, you're doing the animal more of a service because right. you are like, you're showing like respect. It's very respectful to, like, with that animal. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just something hard to explain, but I think like, I will not be able to talk like Jim Shockey does. I'll never claim I could, but like that guy is a wizard when it comes to explaining things to people. It explains it really well to someone who, might not have a hunting background, but like, okay, I do get why you guys are doing what you're doing in that moment. But what do you think about posting on social media? I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Oh, I'm, po- not, I'm not I'm post, posting a picture. Yeah, I mean, post away, post away. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. it has to be tasteful though. Yeah. Like there's certain things like, like you, I talk a lot and you know, my gear list and stuff, like I will carry extra little, you know, things to clean up the animal or rubber bands. Yeah, we, we can get into that. Rubber bands to mm-hmm. put around its nose to like make things all tight and so it does not loose and you know have a tongue hanging out like you know not riding the animal like giving it respect like taking that time to clean up the area around it make the animal yeah you can't make it look completely new cuz it is a dead animal but again and just I think too if if you look at so for example people that don't hunt so they're taking when they take pictures or when they post pictures or like we we're kind of talking about how they're documenting a moment like usually it's something that they did that they're proud of yeah right or that's, that's, or, that's, or they had a good time yeah you know what i mean it's yeah. it's something they want to show off it's something they achieved it's something they're happy about it's something they're proud of and to me for hunters that's exactly the same thing yeah a group of grin is it's something that we achieved it's a goal that we've been trying to work towards we're proud of mm-hmm. it. We're happy. Like and, it's, and again, it's, it's respect. If you look at any other reason why people have pictures, it's you know it's the same exact concept. It just happens to be a dead animal, which people yeah. have hard time digesting that and like what that means if they haven't if they haven't done it right. Yeah, I think I think it can, it can get misconstrued a little bit because I think just right now currently in the day and age that we're in with social media um i think i think a lot of people can look at a picture of a dead animal and a guy behind it smiling they post it to social media and i don't know that they get the entire backstory you know and we 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 don't know i mean we don't know people i mean i don't i know you guys quite well and i know why you hunt you know what i mean i know that, that that's just kind of a 
you know, a culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of effort and a lot of thought and planning and process. And I mean, for me, like I, you know, I skull cap all my bulls. I got one here at the skull cap. I don't mount a lot of animals. And, and I think I told my camera guy that day, I was like, yeah, it kind of ends for me at this point, to be honest, a little bit. And like the, the experience that I was looking for was everything that built up to and that kill, you know, it, it, it's like the adventure of it all. And it is really nice. I like to have all the field photos to go with it because it's fun to go back and look at it and like remember the hunt as a whole. But then, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, I don't know. It's kind of fun to have that harvest photo and look back and kind of give you a remembrance of what was and like why you liked that thing that you did. I think it, where, where it can get misconstrued, like I said, is just like, I think people question people's intent. Yep. Like, why are you posting that? Yeah. Because everything else on social media is done for likes. Like yeah. you, have, you have fitness people who post stuff about fitness. They're doing it for likes and engagement. And so they're assuming that same person is doing the same thing with the harvest photo. Oh, you're just posting that for likes. And, and, and they might be. I mean, I'm not going to say people don't or do mm -hmm. or don't. I mean, maybe they are, right? Maybe I am sometimes, you know. Maybe there's like that little hit of like that endorphin that like, yeah, hey, post this. People like it, you know. They Maybe they look up to me, you know. They think that's cool. I mean, I, I personally, I guess when, I don't know if it's just like, you know, my inability to kind of look at it that way, you know, or maybe it's denial. Right. right. But like, I, you know, I like to share like my, you know, my mom, she, I don't, we don't, I don't print photos anymore. You know, I don't send them photos. Like I, you know, I'll share a picture on social media. My dad and my mom will see it or, you know, friends, people that I don't even know. Right. They'll see it. Um, you know, I hope that when they see that, like, I hope that, uh, I hope that they know that, at least I would like to think, you know, that my intent was that, you know, everything that led up to that, you know, yeah, right. like I did this thing that was really, really hard. Yeah. Like for me personally, that was a lot of effort. It was a lot of work. And I don't know that ever comes through in just a harvest photo that somebody posts on social media, you know, but yeah, it's so much work. Right. Do you ever you feel know? like you should, after you post a harvest photo, before you post a harvest photo, justify it by like showing maybe meat or meeting in a backpack and, and like give a story about that or showcase some know. cooking things. Or I was telling Neville the other day, I think I'm just like, I don't post that much on social media. Yeah. I thought maybe just like from the future on, they'd just all be gripping grids, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just straight gripping grids. But I, I don't, mean, I don't yeah. know if that's right either. Yeah, I Probably I, not. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's also, I mean, when somebody buys a brand new car and they take a picture of it and they're proud of it, like, do I need to see a picture of them and like all the cash that they paid for it? You know, what's the, yeah, what's exactly. the difference? Yeah. Like when someone has a picture of their house, do, do I need to see all the money that they use to pay for it? I don't know that I feel the need to, but I, I like when people do. Yeah. I like to see like those backstory photos, you know. I like to see the, you know, the process of somebody packing out a bowl, you mm -hmm. know. I think I've got a photo that uh, the camera guy took that, you know, I've got the, the rack on my back. I've got probably, you know, 80 pounds of, you know, meat kind of on my meat shelf. And, you know, I've got the side vents on my pants zipped down and like... I don't know when somebody looks at that, maybe they just think like, Oh, that's kind of a cool photo. And this guy's, you know, look how cool he is or whatever, you know, he's packing right. out this, you know, rack. But like in my mind, like I instantly go back to that moment yep. where I'm just like, Holy right. shit, that was so much work. Mm -hmm. And I think for the hunting other hunters, like I, I know if I see a harvest photo of Brady, like I know he's taking the meat. I know he's eating the meat, but I, I do understand you know, the point made where, you know, someone who doesn't understand hunting, like it does look like we just killed an animal and then take a picture with it. And they don't, they don't understand that. Yeah. So that's so, literally what I eat throughout the whole entire year. So do, is, it, is our responsibility then to, that's what I was just gonna I know, right? yeah, to go further on the story and explain it to people? Because yeah, this is the issue with social media. Like it's open for everyone unless you're totally locked down, but like people don't see 
I don't know exactly what's going I guess on. Don't follow me then. <laughs> I don't. You know that, that's a tough one. Because like I don't really get a lot of enjoyment. Like yeah, I, I eat every single day. Like what's the point of me showing that I eat every single day? Because literally I do eat wild game meat every single day. And most people that know me, like you guys know, I do that all the time. But every now and then I do like to, you know, take a photo or post a photo of either the meat being packed up or some meat being mm-hmm. cut up. Like, because also it's again why I take photos of that. It's just the memories too. Like, I want to see that process of how I did it back sure. in the day and just remember it. And I don't know if I feel like I have to post those, but. It's an interesting idea to think that, I don't know. I mean, it is weird because, like, I, I'm i not hyper aware, really, of, like, the impact that I might have across a wider audience, really. Like, I'm, I kind of keep to myself. I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm self, you know, self-called loner, right? I, I spend a lot of time alone. Um I don't know. I, I personally don't feel like, like I have this responsibility, but, but when, you know, you think about it, I guess on the grand scheme, yeah, you always want to shed hunting in the best light possible, but I want to, I want to put it in the light and show the respect for it that I have, mm-hmm. you know, but I, as far as like having a responsibility, I don't, I don't know. hasn't really settled yeah. in on me yet. It's a tricky one. It is very tricky because you don't know who's looking, but it's like, like you, you, you don't post a lot of photos. No. And it's like, because you're out doing other things. Like, yeah. Um, like, why would you want to sit on <laughs> social media all day and just post? Like, yeah. I, don't know. I, I don't. And I, am I, that part of that's because I'm, I'm a little, maybe a little bit older yeah. too. You know, it doesn't quite resonate to I mean, with me like yeah. it would. You can't be, you can't be everything to everyone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I am who I am. You are, Neville. Come you know on. <laughs> it's like, I am who I am. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. So let's talk, I mean, let's talk about harvest photos. So like, what, what are some of the things that you guys think? I mean, I think we all agree that if you are going to post something, it, it should be, you know, quote unquote, tasteful. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. So what, like, what are those things? I think to me, it's just positioning the animal either. I, I like to always put them like legs tucked underneath their body, like literally take their front legs, tuck them back, tuck the back legs underneath their stomach, like make them kind of look like an embedded position. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not naturally how he fell over, but I think it adds taste. And I don't think you can do that with all species. Like, you get a big elk down or you shoot a moose. Like, wherever they lay is where they lay. You're yeah. not going to be able to move them. And so also try to, like, move some of my animals if I can to a spot where it's a little easier maybe to see the body, see the scene, and the rack is then not, like, blurred with the background. So you actually get a distinct look of the face in the rack. So it's, like, a separation from the animal to your background a little bit. I think it just adds more taste to it. Mm-hmm. But, again, you can't do that with every animal. I, I think to your trait. I mean, and really the way you're trying to make the animal look the best as possible, mm-hmm. which I think is... And it gets construed you, right if, now. If you look at death, whether it's a human being, like, and a funeral, right? The, you, If you have an open casket, like, they're trying to make that dead person look as best as possible. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in the field. We're trying to make this animal look best as possible. We're cleaning the blood. We're taking blood off its antlers. Like, we're positioning it and like... You know, its legs aren't up in the air and its balls are hanging out. You know, like you're 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 positioning it in a spot that like it looks good, it looks respectful. Yep. Like you're making the animal look as best as possible. Which, I mean, if you look at death around, like everyone does that from humans, like paying the respects to whatever it is that's dead. Like they're trying to make it look as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't I don't think that's that weird. But like some people, if you don't draw that connection, they're like, why are you trying to make it look best as possible? Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's the same it's same what everyone concept. it's the same concept everyone yep. does it so cl- cleaning up blood cleaning up blood even if you have snow on the ground like you have to make, make a lot of conscious decisions to 
it's not probably the right word phrase, but like get all that snow that might have blood on it, like out of your photo too. Like mm-hmm. again, just adds that tasteful thing. And yeah, you might be stepping on all the snow and whatnot, or maybe just drag it forward a little bit where there's no blood in the ground and set your animal down if you can. And just, I think first it starts with cleaning it yeah, up. Yeah, cleaning up, making sure it's like eyes are not. Brad, do you carry wet wipes? No, your, but, I'll, but I will use like my uh, oh, wet wipes. I hate wet wipes. <laughs> I know that you do. Gosh, I, hate I listen thing. to your podcast. I, yeah. I heard that you had a you have a vendetta personal well, vendetta against wet wipes. Podcast is trail. Yeah, I, Neville and I had an interesting conversation in in uh, New Mexico. He said no wet wipes because he feels like you're just spreading it around. If you That's know what insane. I mean. Why, why, I, I'm a wet wipe guy. But <laughs> why pamper the bomb, man? But I, yeah, but, but that's what you'll, I'll, if you have wet wipes, that's going to be a great thing for yeah. home stuff. Or I just and, take and much of my used, toilet paper. I, I've used that. Right. Yeah. So like your first step, like cleaning up the animal, making it look as best as possible, having it in a position, like Brady was saying, I think we all do this, like the legs tucked under, like it's bedded. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it's bedded on the ground. Yeah. And then I think a lot of that, like w- what, I mean, it's paying respect to the animal, right? Like we're we're making it look best as possible. I mean, and then there's also like, oh, of course you want it so it looks bigger. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but then like also, like, some yeah, I like how Brady always gets bashed on. You always just try. We're, to we're gonna it, t- we're gonna talk about that. We'll oh, that's what I was gonna get into a little bit about that. We'll but, stuff earlier, that so well, make it look big. Let me go back. So I I would say there's three three or four things that typically like I see in a harvest photo that like right off the, the bat I'm just kind of like yeah you know and, and no you know no shade to anybody because you know shit happens people you know whatever but like blood so blood on the animal typically coming from you know two spots one from the mouth maybe. Yep. Or from you know the entrance and exit of the hole, so clean those up. To the the tongue, so the first thing that's going to happen on that animal, it's going to go slack jawed. Tongue's going to hang out the side, and I've seen a lot of harvest photos where you've got a tongue hanging out, right? So I just had a Photoshop one we posted the other day. Okay, I get rid of the tongue. So what do you do? You typically you say you pack a rubber band. Yeah, I pack some rubber bands. I later put it on the mouth. Right when I get there and I'm doing some of the cleanup work, I'll take the rubber band and put it on its nose. Mm-hmm. And so then while I'm doing a bunch of stuff, you know the animal's getting hunters rigor mortis. Rigor mortis. So it's getting mm-hmm. stiffer. And so it just helps make that jaw in a nice position that looks more natural. Like the animal is just sitting there bedded, not feeding or doesn't have a yeah. mouth down because animals don't do that naturally. And so then when I take the harvest, so then I'll pull that off and everything's all tucked up in there. But if you have an animal that, you know, doesn't do that that well, or you want to get your harvest quickly because it's going to get dark, you have a nasty pack, it's going to start raining. You know, you can right. take your knife out and remove said tongue. Cut the tongue out. Yeah. That yeah. just helps make yep. it easier. That's so it's got, not going to do that. That's got to be the number one tongue out the tongue hanging oh my god that's, yeah, no. that's the, gotta be the, number the, one the, the slack jawed animal you know it's bottom jaws hanging mm-hmm. you know right. gums are hanging and then one more tip i want to jump in before we go further is like when you're setting up the animal sometimes we're on super steep hills and the animal doesn't want to sit up straight mm-hmm. a lot of times just find some boulders find some logs tuck them on the back side of the animal so we kind of resting against it so it is still natural yeah. but it's not going to fall over all the time yeah like yeah. using what you have around you because it's not going to be in the photo and you're not like doing anything different. You're just shoving it behind the animal to help p- position it where you need to. I, th- I think too, being cognizant of, of the shot and, you know, position not, on the other side. Is that not, what you're saying? Yeah, not not every every shot's perfect. Yeah. I, I mean that's that's part of hunting, but being cognizant of what you're showing, like, I'm not gonna if it's a shot and it's like one side's like completely blown out. Like I'd probably turn the animal the other way. It's going to look better. Or if, or if you like, you're stuck with that, like try cleaning it as best as possible. So that you can't see like this humongous wound, mm-hmm. you know, just gash through this animal yeah. kind of thing. And then, if, you know, if you had like a gut shot or further back shot, you know, maybe just kind of cropping that picture in a little bit. So you can't like, 
mm-hmm. see a bunch of guts just yeah, hanging out of the animal. Or like, do, do your best to like clean up the yeah. shot, I guess. Because I think even a hunter would realize, like, if they took a harvest photo and there was some stuff hanging out of its inside, like, that doesn't look good for you anyway. Like, you don't want to look back on that and see a gut <laughs> just hanging out of your photo. I mean, I don't think people do. Yeah. And then, it's, again, it's thinking if you're going to share that image on the internet, like... Yeah, you got to think of where we're sharing things now too. So it's like, like Neville said, clean it up or crop a photo over a little bit, or just take it's tasteful. You're not like things happen when you're hunting. So it's yeah. not like you're trying to hide something, but you're trying to make something, you know, seem better for your memories later on. Like, yeah, you want to remember that. Remember that. Yeah, just try to try to pay it respect, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing I was gonna say was uh, like vegetation, like in and around the animal, right? So I was, I had, I carried just a small pack saw. I use it to you know skull cap the animal or cut any bone that I need to. But then I also use that same thing to like you know clear any vegetation yep. in and around the animal. Just to, I mean, if you're gonna take the time to take harvest photos, you might as well you know take the best photos you can and, and clear out as much vegetation as you can so that you can actually see the animal, see the antlers, you know, yep. see its face features, those kind of things. So those are, those are kind of my three for me. Is there any others for you that jump out? you guys can think of it's typically blood tongue vegetation yeah it's one of those things too i think every time when you set your animal down and you pick it up again you're going to have some dirt or some debris yeah. on the nose so that's why me as a camera guy or if you have a friend near you too if there's three of you like one person should always be cognitive of grabbing something in your hand a glove and wiping that blood from the nose while that person's hand like holding the head right before you're taking the picture just clean that up a little bit because every time you sit down because like as we all know it gets heavy holding up a head mm-hmm. of an animal. So just realizing that you have to clean that blood off the nose every time you set it down or dirt or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the big three for me. And like that, yeah. Me setting up and then. What do, you, what do you guys feel about weapon in harvest photos and weapon out of harvest photos? I like it. Is it I like weapon. Yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. I mean, it kind of shows you, you know, what you used and mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind uh, of a. I think there's still a like tasteful telling, way to do it though. It's like telling the story a little bit. So like I can look at it. Oh, they're in this terrain. They shot this and it was an archery hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for me, like I like, uh, like some of the old harvest photos I have, I like to look back at the weapon that I use. So like, I remember using that oh, Matthews yeah. Q2 bow, you know, the yeah. single cam, you know, with the old camo. And I like to look at the site and be like, Oh yeah, I remember that trophy Ridge and mm-hmm. you know, no drop away rest and, and those kinds of things. So like, I don't know for me, I like it. Yeah. I like the weapon in there yeah. as well. I kind of like the weapon though. It's sometimes hard with a rifle, I think. Cause sometimes I'm, I've done it before. So I've, I'm going to talk about what I don't like, but I, Guys who take your rifle with a bipod and like set it front and center in front of it, oh, and it's yeah. like super close, so it like looks more like the rifle is more important than the it, scene. It looks a little tactical. Yeah, yeah, it looks a little tactical. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's like there's probably different ways to do it. Sure, you can do one like that too, because yeah, it is your setup. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what you're into is that style of thing, and or just do one laying against the the animal or behind the animal, right. pointing out towards you. Yeah. But also just watching too where the barrel's pointed because I was going to bring that up. You, you will, even though you're going to be totally safe, maybe you checked it. People on the internet will not know you checked it and be like, why is that barrel pointing at someone? That's the first thing of gun safety. Don't. Yeah. Well, it, sh- it shouldn't be. I yeah. Mean, so just be watching out for that too. And yeah. Yeah. Like the weapon is not the, not the important thing of no. this picture. Maybe if I shot some with a stick bow, I might really want to shove that thing in the front. Like, ooh, <laughs> I stalked him with a stick bow. Yeah, I like it. All right, now should we go into how to take a good picture? Yeah. The number, the, I would say, like, the stuff that comes to my head, like, what people mess up the most probably is focus. Whether to focus on the animal or whether to focus on the person and then just, like, being cognizant of the cropping of the picture. Cause like a lot of times you're just taking pictures, you got the antlers and you look at your picture again, it'll be out of focus and like half of its left antler 
will be chopped off. Like the positioning of the antlers and like focus. And Brady and I were just talking about this. Like usually if you're taking a picture, like a harvest photo, you want a higher f-stop, which is going to allow there to be more clarity no matter what like depth the animal and the person is. So you'll have everything in focus. Yeah. So we're talking about like, like what I have right in front of me, like a DSLR type Sony type camera where you can adjust your, your f-stop. And so I think mainly I, what's I an f-stop for those of the people that don't know what an f-stop is. What are you talking about? It, it basically is just going to allow, like if you have a lower f-stop and you're focused on one thing, the stuff behind us can be really, really blurry. Okay. So it's going to add that like bokeh. And so like makes the stuff really close crisp. And that's why like it might really good, look good for like, if you're just trying to do a detailed shot of an antler and you want that stuff blurred behind there, lower your f-stop. But if you want a harvest photo, you want maybe the animal in focus and you, because you, you might be a foot behind the animal, like right next to it. And you could literally be blurred if we use a really low f-stop on somebody's really fancy camera. So like maybe like an f-stop of like four, five, five, two, six, yeah. eight even. Because then it's also going to in- it's also going to make some of that background in focus too. So you have a really gorgeous mountain scene. You want to get everything captured. Crank up that f-stop if you have a, a camera lens. Like you can do that with, and that way you'll be able to see the animal yeah. in focus, you in focus, and some of your scenery behind. That way it's a memory for you later on. It's almost kind of like a a, a safety net. It's it's going to allow you to have more things in focus mm-hmm. do you guys play with that do you, what, i will do both do you start out with like a high f-stop i try to because that's like and, and take like just general photos you know because the person's going to get tired later on and then i might say hey, okay now let's try to do some detail shots we got the good the good ones right away now i want to do some more creative shots or and work your way down work my way down from there yeah yeah and then i think the like the go-to classic pose right you have the person behind it and you have like the antlers tilt like towards the camera but not like directly towards it where it's like you get like a side profile but you're able to see the opposite antler at the yep. same time so it's not like where it's just facing dead straight where you just see one antler and then you don't see the other antler because mm. that antler is covering up it's like just turning its head like towards the camera yeah. but not exactly at it and you can see both antlers that's the like because you get that a lot on best elk picture yeah. because if you have elk too broadside and the racks broadside you're literally only going to see that side closer to the, to the camera, and then it's going to look like maybe your other side's broke off. Because well, some of those elk mm-hmm. are very symmetrical all the way to the top. You're not going to be able to see the antlers. So if you slightly turn it, like, yeah, that one side view might be good, but this comes into the same thing, like poses. Like if the animal's completely broadside, just working that rack more towards the camera. That way you get different angles because one angle might just look really great. The other thing I see, too, with elk a lot is, um, you know, somebody will take a picture from, it, from the front mm-hmm. and where you've got, like, your – your fifth tine mm-hmm. and your main beam, it basically that fifth tine will fall right in line mm-hmm. with your main beam. If you're taking that from front on yep. and it like almost disappears yep. pretty much. So yep. just like a little bit of angle kind of gives you the full yeah. scope of what, you know, what those antlers look like. Yeah. It's a, like, I guess photography kind of like one-on-one, right? Dif- different angles. Yep. You, you want to take as many different angles and then it's, then it's like your zoom levels. So you got like close in, close in shots, medium shots, far shots. You, do like, it all. you can hit all three of those and then a bunch of different angles and take as many pictures as possible. Like you'll usually be covered. Kind of, I think too, like figuring out, so like every animal you shoot, there's like something you like about it, right? There's something unique mm-hmm. about it. Like understanding what, what is unique about its antlers that you think's like cool. And then portraying that the best as possible. Like let's say you shoot a super wide buck. Like the only way you're gonna be able to portray that is like you're gonna have to be like more f- like face on with it or in front of it to see like its width. 
Yeah. It's like taking as many different angles. Dude, I literally just like walk in circles around people. Mm-hmm. Walk in circles, do a thousand different angles. And then as I'm doing that, I'm also taking some closer, taking some further, taking some way far out. So then you have all your bases covered. Do you, do you think at this point too, like person who's running a, you know, a fancier camera might want to switch over to like an autofocus. So you can just keep trying to crank as many photos and not worry about, oh, I have to manual yeah. focus here and there. Like just, cause we have to remember too, like when we're taking these harvest photos, we do owe a right to the animal to start cutting it up. Like, so it might depend on yeah. the, the seasonality. Like if it's an August hunt and it's super hot out, yeah. you're probably going to be taking very fewer photos rather than if you're on a late season hunt and it's cooler out and you know that meat can handle what you're doing. So you have to remember that as an important step as well. Or did this animal lay there in the heat for a while and took you, you know, six hours to, to get over it. there. Mm-hmm. So definitely there's some things you have to be cognizant of again to watch out for when taking some photos. But yeah, I think before I, I want to ask you guys some, like some more technical questions about camera equipment and gear and F stops and those kind of, you yeah. know, those kind of things. But, um, before we dive into that, like there's, there's some things for me, like, I guess, and this is where I'll like, I'll, I'll, I'll say my piece. And then, like I said, I'll turn it over to you, but, um, just so everyone knows, Trill is pretty good at, he's good. at taking <laughs> I'm not good at taking harvest photos, but like, I've looked at enough you, of them, you know, all the positions, I, I, yeah. all the angles. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I've looked at enough of them that like, I know the things that kind of bug me. So things that kind of bug me, like when the animal's head is like tilted one way or the other. And there's a lot of times when you get two guys, one guy's taking a picture and the hunter, you know, he's behind the animal. That guy, he can't tell. Nope. I mean, he can't tell what the angle of the, you know, the deer's head is like. So, you know, if you're taking pictures for somebody, you know, don't hesitate to ask your, your hunter, hey, you know, tilt that deer's head back to the left, you know, rotate a little bit to the right because, you know, you have a, the perspective of what the photo is and what it looks like. So, you know, same thing with the hunter. You know, there's a lot of times that you're sitting on an uneven ground, you know, the guy's head will be kind of cocked off to the side. Yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of that, you know. Um, but yeah, be, be cognizant of, of, uh, you know, angle the deer's head, you know, angle the hunter's head, the, the position that they're sitting. And that was like one question I wanted to ask you is like, what do you guys like for, as far as like where to position your hunter? I, I don't like to position the hunter directly behind antlers. I mean, that's a good pose if the deer kind of, again, it goes back to like Neville said, what you're trying to show off on the deer. Sometimes it works really well, but to me, I either like to be left of it. So if the deer is, you know, right here in front of me, if people watching, I'll either have the hunter to the left, and so it's not right behind the rack, or sometimes it's really nice, too, to do a different style and have the person on the opposite side of the body so he's not behind the body. And, again, mm-hmm. we're not trying to get 10 feet away from this body here, again, and make these deer look stupid big mm-hmm. and do the old long arm things. It's like <laughs> you have to do what you're, you're, you know, like if you're grabbing the rack and you're right near it, try to get as close as you can to that yeah. the animal. You're not trying to long arm these things. Like, mm-hmm. But, again, maybe an a- angle, though, once where you are pulling it, pushing it away might just look cool and it's just like the uh, angle you're looking for because it's just yeah. a creative shot you're trying to do yeah. you're not trying to make the animal look bigger here you're just trying to do a creative or then i even like too where the hunter's totally wrapped around and you're just going to side view and maybe just holding the nose holding the nose just yeah. looking at the animal again that's i think that's more of like one of those respect type photos mm-hmm. where then it might, i might not smile i might be just like i'm just looking at them because i am really right now even though you are taking photos and it is kind of staged i am still admiring things because I might've shot that buck an hour ago and I'm the first time I'm really looking at his face. So I am holding his face. And Mm -hmm. I I think with that, it's just, you're giving, uh, you're giving the animal antlers like clarity. So it's not like super busy behind them. Yeah. So you have, so you're able to have like a good vision of the antlers. Cause like even in the woods, like it's kind of hard. We have like backgrounds of like trees and stuff, like get a clear view of the antlers. And then you had someone's head right behind it too. Like, it's hard to get a good representation of the antlers. Yeah. Whereas if Brady was saying if you have them off, 
off to the side. Technical difficulties, but we're back. <laughs> anyway, going off Brady's point, it's just giving the antlers like clarity and not having things too busy behind it. Having like the hunter off to the side, so you have her, so you're able to see like a clear vision mm-hmm. of yeah, the antlers. One thing I see quite a bit is guys' faces. You know, like behind an antler and you get shadows or something you get shadows or you know you can't really tell what the antler is you know and it, it can be kind of hard it can require some like awkward positioning for the hunter but yeah i think point being you know if you're the camera guy or if you're taking self pics and you're doing on a timer on a tripod um just try to position yourself i would for me anyway like i, I like those ones where you know you get a clear look at the the animal you mm-hmm. know and like when you brought up before, like you remember when we were taking your antelope photos, mm-hmm. all the direction like we were giving yeah. you, like it's it helps. Like it might be awkward for you, but like we're trying to level it up, we're trying to move in position. Yeah, taking as much as you can to dump that shutter, and then also give your hunter time to rest because it's going to get awkward after a while. Yeah, it, it helps a ton to have somebody there to take filled photos yeah. for you. <laughs> I think like how what Trail was saying too, like directing the person on like what to do because there's nothing worse. As a as a hunter, you just shot this animal, and your buddy's taking your pictures, and you get there, and you're like, dude, I look like a dumb shit behind here. Like, my head is completely here. My hat's, like, up here. My hair's all over. Yeah. Like, tell him, like, hey, dude, put dude, your hat on. Make sure, like. Do yeah. this. Yeah. Do that. Tilt the head. Tilt your head. Look straight. Yeah, yeah. Give, give him direction. Maybe zip your clothes up a little bit so you don't have all that hair poking out. Yeah, just that's make it you, Neville. Yeah. Chest hair. There's a, usually it's my hair. Mm-hmm. Cause like my hair's all over the fucking place, and then it's like, dude, how can you even tell me my hair was like, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's really, you're having, having a bad hair day. <laughs> bad hair day. I think it's really good too when you're taking harvest photos if you can to like give the camera to the hunter or the phone and let them go through it really quickly because that, it is their moment and they might say, yeah, these are really great, or you know, take five more of this angle. Right. This angle look really good for me because I want to showcase that hook cheater because that was the first thing i saw or whatever it might be but yeah again i would just like to stress like me included my first tendency is like to get working on this animal like i want to i want to just i want to start the process especially if i you know if i kill an animal an hour before dark and it gets dark on me like my reaction is to like especially on an elk because it's so big i know this thing is going to take me forever two and a half three hours to completely break down right like my reaction is like okay i gotta get to work you know but like you only get one chance we're the complete opposite if i kill an animal it's towards dark and i get some daylight photos and it goes dark then i'm like all right now we have all the time in the world now i have no rush because it's gonna be dark no matter what yeah and i i mean i hunt a lot of early season stuff too you know so it's hot so i feel like oh i need to get you know get meat off but um yeah i'm that guy but yeah i would say definitely you know grab the camera you know, I always try to do that. You know, I always say, hey, Neville, take a look at these. Yeah. You know, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, always show show the hunter and make sure they're, they're happy with them. I think another thing, too, like you mentioned, like if you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you can do a lot of stuff still when you're by yourself if you're the only – you don't have a friend with you. So you have to take your own photos, whether it's on a cell phone or on camera. Like there's ways to mount your phone up on something. Maybe you have a tripod yeah. sitting there. You can mount it up. Maybe you have a tripod mount where it clips your camera. But then what I was like to do when I'm solo is like literally look through the viewfinder, look at the animal. Obviously, the rack could be on the ground at that point, but make sure it's framed enough and make sure you're high enough so that when you pick that animal up, again, you're not cutting off the top. And if you take a few of the self-time photos, just let them burn through or set it so you can you know do a burst mode. That's set what down, I do. Set down the animal, come back around, look at it like, all right, I need to lift the tripod up or I need to move the tripod to the left or move my camera a little bit mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go back. And, it is a pain to go back and forth, but again... Mm-hmm. 
three yeah. months later when you look at those photos you're going to be glad you did that you did. process yeah. multiple times to get the shot you want that's what i do is i try to set it on a tripod or my backpack i i set it on three shot mode mm-hmm. you know and i'll i'll take three shots and then reassess look at the picture be like oh i need to tilt that yeah. animal's head a little bit to the left you know mm-hmm. and then and redo it it's a pain in the ass <laughs> to do field photos on your own but like you said worth it and yeah. And when I was talking earlier about using autofocus, when I'm by myself totally solo, I will switch my camera over to manual. Mm-hmm. And then I will just zoom in on part of the deer and do like a digital zoom so I can really fine tune that focus to get it slightly right. Like, no, it's going to be top of that deer's head. So when I lift that deer up, that'll be in focus or I'll go a little bit behind that so I know I'll be in focus too. I can kind of play with the focus a little bit before I actually loop around and get in front of me. And I also always carry a little remote, mm, remote yeah. trigger activator. Mm-hmm. And they weigh literally like an ounce and they run off those little like watch batteries i bet they make yeah. ti- don't they make these for an iphone i'm certain they do i guarantee they, they do I guarantee they do, they do. like yeah. a bluetooth clicker for your yeah. phone i don't and, own one but and even if you don't have one of those little clickers like if you have one of these sony's or whatever you can download the sony app and have a remote timer from your camera or phone that'll also remote time the, the camera so yeah. you can do a bunch of self stuff so let me ask you what do you guys get from you guys both carry cameras yeah you, you carry sony's right mm-hmm. uh, what model is this yeah so that's why i have this camera sitting in front of the whole time this is the camera that i run for literally everything whether it's landscape product photography we want in the field just taking general hunting stuff and harvest photos this is just right. a sony a7r4 and it's a 35 millimeter 1.12 lens really okay. low f-stops so i'll do really creative stuff and it's 35 so it's a fixed length i can't zoom in can't zoom out it's 35 and i feel like a 35 mil is probably one of the most natural lenses for taking harvest photos. Yeah. It's not going to, it's not a wide angle. That, that's what I was just going to talk about. I think for harvest photos too, you got to make sure you have the right lens for the, the right lens. Like yeah. everyone knows when you take a harvest photo with like a wide angle fish eyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's you're skewing things a lot. Yeah. And sometimes I, mean, like, I, I think creative, you can do that, but it's going to look different and going to look a little yeah. bogus. I, th- I think, I think a good rule of thumb is, I mean, I, this is just my opinion, and I think it's with any photography, like my style is you're trying to take the most realistic p- picture, right? You want it to look how it was at that time. Yep. So I think using a lens that fits that is going to obviously help you do that. And some people like taking their, you know, harvest photos with wide lens, and a lot of times it looks like it's big as hell, <laughs> like a little too a little too big. It's like, yep. what in the hell? This antler looks like it's eight feet long. Yep. And that's just, yeah, knowing your gear. And now it's kind of crazy, too. You have iPhones with wide-angle lenses on it. It's like maybe you could take one or two if it's creative, but not trying to, like, blow it up, but just for maybe a different style and just stick to that 1X camera lens and just take normal photos. That's why I really love this 35. It takes So, yeah. so if you if someone was going to buy a camera and a lens, that's what you would suggest? Yeah, or if you have something that's a, more of a zoom, like a – I don't know, 2470 lens or something like that. Yeah, like, 20, yeah. 24 to 105 is a pretty common, yep. common like do it all, do it all lens. Mm-hmm. And, and then just have it at 35, you know, and just try to make it more natural. And then still like some of those photos, like, like Neville's saying too, if you're close to the animal, take some, also take some, maybe 20 yards behind. If you just, right. if you have a chance where it's a hunter out there, like it, you want to grab that scene. I mean, think of it as like you're, you're you're telling a story of some sort, whether that's the scenery you're in, the weapon you're using, the animal you shot. Like what what a like I was talking about the different zoom levels. Mm-hmm. The different zoom levels allow you to tell a story in more depth. Like the further zoom level, you're able to see more and understand like the terrain they're in, the weather, the weapon, the elk. So like you get a better picture and understanding of the story 
when you do those. That's why it's important to do like close, medium, far shots. So then you can see everything and get like yep. a full story of yep. how and that's where if some guy wants to use a wide angle lens and you want to showcase that scenery, maybe it was on the nastiest knife ridge mm-hmm. and you had some epic scenery behind there that you might only show your family, not blow it up on the internet, but like a wide angle could be really cool. That's that way you're going to see everything. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the position that you killed that deer and be like, wow. That was rugged. Yeah, I remember that fucking shitty hike into this hellhole to kill it or something. Mm -hmm. What is it, do you guys think you gain from going with a high-end camera over versus somebody that's just packing around their phone? I mean, nowadays, honestly, phones are amazing. Like, there's some times when I take, like, a scenery photo with my big camera, and I'll take one with my iPhone. I'm like, damn, that (laughs) iPhone one was freaking good. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. it is amazing, the quality nowadays. Like, you... Like, yeah, these are great and all, but, like, I use it for different purposes because, obviously, we have, you know. But you still pack that. Yeah. I still pack that yeah. all the time. So why do you pack that? Memories. Like, uh, I just want to be able to do whatever <laughs> I want to do with that photo. I mean, I mean is, these, it, is these, it better? The, are you getting a better photo? What do you get? The, yeah, they're, they're essentially more, they're, they have more capabilities. Yeah, I could zoom in that photo and crop it tighter, and it's going to still be very yeah. high res, or I could keep it full. Yeah. Or I could I can edit the photo more because I shoot in raw, so I can adjust all the colors and make things more shadows or the bring out bring the yeah. darks a little bit back or bring the colors so up. So the camera is going to have the ability to give you more capabilities of taking different types of pictures. You have autofocus, you have manual focus. Like you're able to do more with a higher end camera compared to like a phone. And then on the back end, once you edit the photo, it's the same. You have more capabilities of doing more with that photo. And and I think of like these, the bigger cameras too come in handy. Like when you shot your antelope, when mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, hurry up, get behind that animal really quickly because we had an awesome sunset. Mm-hmm. I was able to adjust my camera settings to also have you in focus, but also be able to get that epic background, like the sunset going on. Or I could, you know, crank up the ISO and make things really bright. If it's really dark out and I don't need a, you know, maybe a, a flash or something like that. Yeah. It's going to get a little more grainy, but I could just determine the what mood I'm trying to make the photo look like in the camera settings. Rather, I'd rather yeah. do everything in camera and that than edit later because editing later just kind of mess up your photo makes things just look. Yeah. So, it, so yeah. that was going to be my question is how much do you do with your camera in the field? A lot. Uh, you do a lot. I do a yeah. lot yeah. So you're, you're doing all the settings to so make it look as good as possible so when you have to edit it you don't have to edit it as much so you're not just pulling this camera out putting in autofocus snapping photos and then dealing with edits mm-hmm. on the back end with photoshop right. or something yeah. you're doing a lot of work with this camera in the field yeah. to get a photo that you feel like is a good photo when you take that back yeah. and you might tweak a few the, things the mm-hmm. big the biggest thing you're usually combating is light yeah, which was I was just gonna ask. It's, it's light. How, how it's, do you handle that? It's it's light of some sort. It's either too bright or it's too dark. I mean, you have different controls on the camera that compensate for being too light or too dark. It's ISO. Like you can go up and down. Plus f-stop helps with that as well. Like going adjusting that. And like most cameras, we have them set up so you have a meter, and it's gonna show you if your your image is gonna be like over too bright or if it's going to be too dark like you're trying to keep your meter in a good spot and then other options you can do you can put filters yep. on the on the lens itself which are, are really good for like super sunny days so you can still so a lot of times when you take like a picture and it's super sunny something's going to be way too bright like mm-hmm. the sky is going to be way too bright but you yourself the person in the picture is going to look like it's the correct lighting like a filter does on on your lens it's going to allow you to have like nice blue skies and the person is going to be like proper properly lit, lit. yeah i always try to keep 
like on a harvest photo, like I said, my f-stop at a medium level around like six or something. And I try to keep my ISO as low as I can go because that's going to make the better quality image without getting really grainy. Like that's going to also adjust the light, make it brighter mm -hmm. or darker. And the same thing too with your shutter speed. Yeah. So it's a lot of this, like there's three different settings you got to move around all the time and the way you so adjust. Shutter speed, f-stop and, and ISO. ISO. Those are the three things you're worried about and they all play off each other. Yep. They're like, they're kind of like cousins in a way. They're all related they, to each other. Yeah. They all do the same. They all have the capabilities of making images brighter or darker. Mm-hmm. It's just like finding the happy medium for yeah. each of them. So like if you have your f-stop or if you have your shutter too low, so what happens is if like for hand holding, you're going to get blur. Yeah. But that shutter being really low, if you had it on a tripod, it's going to add more light, light. more light in. And so you don't have to then crank your f-stop, I mean your your ISO way up to make it yeah. brighter. So it's like the ways you can do it, but hand holding it, like Neville said, if you have that f-stop too low and you take, take a picture and you're, you're going to be moving a little bit, that image is just going to look blurry. Blurred. Yeah. So like... Like we're saying, obviously a higher end camera is going to have more capabilities on the front end while taking the picture and more capabilities on the back end when it comes to editing. But with that, it also comes with weight, weight, <laughs> weight and, and more, more learning, right? Yeah, you, more you, learning. you have to understand the capabilities or else it doesn't do you any good if you don't know all your capabilities of your camera and your editing software. Yeah, this camera, might does, as well just, this camera does me no good yeah. to, to carry around in my yeah. backpack because I'm going to get the same image that I could probably get from my iPhone because yeah. I don't have the, the breadth of understanding to deal with you know, f-stop. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of like if you're thinking about it, it's understanding, well, if I'm going to take a, a nice camera out, like I'm going to have to be committed in learning how the settings work and taking the best picture possible and then being able to edit it to the best, best possible. Yeah, because nothing. And, worse if, you, than and if you don't, there, yeah, and if you don't, whatever, if that's too much, and you're like, ah. I think a lot it, of people think they can just buy this camera, and it takes myself included. I can buy a nice camera. I can go out and I can get Brady J Miller level photos, but it's not not the case, right? Mm -hmm. You, you got to put some time and effort yeah. to understand it. Yeah, with more capabilities, takes more more learning and understanding of how to like use those capabilities to its best. But I think too, though, if you're, if you're someone who just wants to take better pictures getting a camera like this and forcing yourself to go out take pictures of dog take pictures of trees take pictures of whatever like eventually you're gonna start to figure it out mm -hmm. and then you're gonna start to become like i don't know i think i think we have like more of a creative mindset maybe and that's why like i said we always talk about angles and positions of the animal and different ways to like highlight something like we don't just take a straight on harvest photo take 15 of them and call it good we're like no said we're going all the way around that animal even though it might not it might seem weird like why are you taking that photo or like those ones where you were, I said, hey, keep your headlamp on mm -hmm. and look at that antelope. And I was behind you and it was like, I could, I could adjust that in camera a little bit. Then I also adjusted that in Lightroom later, do some editing stuff to kind of like make that what I thought was kind of a cool photo. Because how my mind was just working yeah. at that time to like think of the scene, think I kind of want, want the outcome of it. And, just and a, lot of, a lot of the times, like I'll be thinking, I'm like, oh, this, this seems stupid. Like at the time, I won't think it's that great of a picture or. I'm just trying to get as many different looks as possible. And then once I like get on my computer and I'm like, Oh, like that, that was a, like a really cool angle that like at the time I thought was kind of stupid, but I knew just, it gives you the ability to have more options. Yeah. Let me ask you, I've, I've hinted around this with Brady a bunch. Um, when you're out there and you're hunting through a process of a hunt, same with you, Neville. I've seen you take, you know, we'll, we'll stop and have lunch or whatever, you know, and you'll pull out your camera and you're wandering around <laughs> where we're sitting when you're taking pictures of like, you know, a backpack or, you know, a bow or flower or whatever it is, right? So like, 
I don't, I, you probably can't teach this, right? Like how, I mean, what's your guys' mindset when you're out on a hunt? Like, do you have a time when you're like, oh, I should take a picture of that? And what it is, what is it that triggers you to like pull out your camera? This is something I want to document. Like, how do you get into that, you know, quote unquote, creative mode mindset? I mean, to me, uh, my, my style is I, I let it come to me. Like I, I'll see it first before I take it. Like it, it's something that moves me where I'm like, oh, that, that would be a cool picture. Like I'm not a, I'm not a spray and pray kind of photographer. Like I, I see something that I like and then I take a picture. Like if I don't, if I don't see something that I like or interests me or piques me to think of this is a cool picture, then I won't take it. Mm -hmm. It's usually something that I see, like I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool, that would make a cool picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it's like... Even, you think, even, you're, even thinking, him, you're thinking about it a lot. Yeah, though. even him describing it, though, it's something that's very hard to explain. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I, I knew it was an abstract concept when I asked yeah, the question. Yeah. I just wanted to see what I, you had to I say. Think, I think it comes down to, too, just, like, figuring out what you're trying to get out of that specific scene. Like, if it's you just setting up camp, like, it might seem boring. Like, you're setting up camp. We do that every single night. But it's, like, that's part of that story that we're building of we're going on an adventure. We're going to document that because later on we're going to look back on it. Like remember that time we put up that camp and then later on dumped two feet of snow on us. Like mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. knowing that, like Neville said, you're just not forcing it. You're not spraying and praying, but you just have an idea of this is a cool scene or you're about ready to cross a stream and I'm going to go in front of you first. Cause I want you to cross the stream, even though, yeah, it's kind of feels like a stage, but we are going across that stream anyway. So might as well snap some photos of you taking your boots off, walking yeah. through the water or e even just like, me a lot of times like i like taking photos at night like star trails and you know milky way stuff or even just lit up the the seek outside teepee at night and mm -hmm. just capturing that at night even though it sucks to stay up late at night and try to take a photo but it's like again i look back at those I'm like that was worth me going outside in the cold and snapping some photos because yeah. it's just it's building that that storyline where we can look back at it and remember exactly where we were at that moment and what we were doing and that even ties with the harvest photo like both those together like Maybe one of the harvest photos is still powerful, but if you only had harvest photos on a hunt, I think you're missing out because mm -hmm. you're not having that full on what you guys did during the hunt. Like even sitting there glassing and eating, like, yeah, everyone eats during the day, but mm -hmm. I, I think I always tell, I always tell people, freelance people that I work with or, you know, people that are just starting out. So think of if you were to tell a hunting story, right? There's always parts of a hunting story that you remember something that's like that happened. So, it's those parts that you want to capture. Those are the interesting parts, right? So that makes an interesting picture. So if you're on a hunt and the first day you're telling a story to somebody like, oh yeah, we got stuck in three feet of mud. Well, that's probably a good picture. Like that's an interesting part of the story. So you don't need to take like a ton of people. Everyone's different though, but that's, I always think of it as if I were to tell a story after this hunt, you know, you're usually telling a three-minute story is like you, you hit the most important things, right? You're telling mm -hmm. the stuff that's interesting. It's those interesting pieces that you probably want to have a picture of because that's what makes an interesting photo because it, it's telling the story. Yeah, I think this is like what your words would be in two seconds. If it's like you're almost wanting to – if you have no text, no description, if you just laid out those photos, those photos would tell that story. Right. From start to finish, if someone just looked at those, they'd be able to see exactly what you did throughout the yeah. whole hunt. So I, I think it's always good if you – like think of any story that you tell, like you're, you have five or six really important pieces that are like super interesting. Like it's the same with taking video and photo. Like those are the things you want to capture. 
Yep. And I think then too, if you're going to be a person that's going to document a hunt, whether it's for your family, friends, or some little YouTube channel, is having your camera accessible. Oh, it's, I was going to bring that up. Like, mm-hmm. if you have one of these cameras and literally it's in your top of your backpack, you're going to miss out on so much stuff. Even if it's snowing or raining, like put a little sleeve over camera, keep that out. That's why like most of us always have either peak designs, little clips, or we have a cotton carrier system. That's why in the bottom of my camera, for people on the video, like I have all these big mounts on here. One for my Arca Swiss, one for my peak design. This literally just goes right in my backpack strap and it's always right in there next to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a little bit of weight. So like my left shoulder or collarbone area will start hurting after a hunt, but it's like, it's there. I can just pop it out really quickly, snap a photo, put it back again, and just mm-hmm. take one. I'm not taking a million photos. Even if it's like your cell phone. Cell phone's usually always in your pocket because you're using it for navigation and maps. Like pull that thing out, snap a little photo mm-hmm. or something. and It's like anything. If it's out of sight, it's out of mind, right? Yeah. So if it's in my backpack, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about taking photos. I'm not thinking yeah. about making stories. I'm just, right. I'm not. And, it, and it's different too for like the application. So, you know, if someone that's hired for, for a hunt to like literally take photos, like it's going to be different for someone like me. I just take them because I enjoy them. So I'm not going to take as, as much. Whereas someone who's paid and has like objectives, like they need to get, this product they need to get this product make sure you highlight this product like they're going to be taking more photos and actually like probably a little bit less of a story but they're still telling a story but they're focused on they know i need to get pictures of this boot i need to get pictures of this pant mm-hmm. whereas like me a lot i mean i'm i use we use our my photos as well but it's more of like enjoyment and and like what i find interesting that tells the story so like how many times did you like we sit down and eat lunch every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I take pictures and sometimes I didn't. The ones that I took pictures, like that one where we had all of our shit, mm-hmm. like we're drying all you of our shit out, mm-hmm. right? Like that's an interesting photo compared to like the day before where we were just sitting there sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like that tells the story of like, oh, these guys had some bad weather. They're drying out all their stuff, like that, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. One thing we'll, we'll jump back on the harvest photo side too. Do you carry a flash? Ever Neville for your camera? No. I don't think I've ever seen you carry a flash. It can get tricky, but it can be done. So, yeah, let's, we should probably walk through, like, night trying, photos. To, trying to take night photos. Yeah, you, for sure. How do, you, how do you take a good night photo? It's hard. Is it? Like, I, I, I will, I try to carry a flash all the time, but that fla- those flashes for these cameras are heavy. And, again, it's just a piece of, piece of gear that literally sits in your backpack until you have a harvest photo. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I could take some other flash photos, but, like, it's literally only pulled out we have a night stop shot but like i will take a flash and put it on here and then flash is going to brighten everything up but then also there's settings on flashes as well that you have to be aware of because if you have a flash on there and you have a bunch of settings on your camera it's going to blow it up and be too bright so you have to also then manipulate settings on your camera to use a flash or the other way to do it which we did like on your antelope but we just had a bunch of headlamps mm-hmm. so everyone has a headlamps most people probably have backup headlamps that's where you want to take out your headlamps have that camera guy either holding them or maybe attach them to a tree or your tripod or do something where you can either highlight that person's face with the headlamp and highlight the animal and try to brighten that scene a little bit. Yeah. So if you have an iPhone, you can still take photos with it or use your flash on your iPhone. Even during the daylight too, if I have that flash with me, it's my backpack, I will experiment, put my flash on my camera, take him because then it might highlight or like make that animal look a little bit differently because it might make the background a little bit darker and it just again sets a different mood for the photo. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like flashes because yeah. it's not natural, but again, I think it can add just that if you're a photographer looking to, you know, set yourself right. differently, it's going to just add a different feel to your photos. Yeah. Head, headlamps can definitely, definitely do the job. And then it's, it's knowing your settings in your camera where you're basically taking them to like the max 
level that like works for that situation. So like you're gonna need to do, you're gonna have to have, to have a lot lower shutter than you normally take, but you don't want it too low where you like see blur. So because what that does is that's gonna make the the image more bright. And then with your f-stop, you're gonna want that lower as well because that's gonna make the image more bright. But you don't want it too low where stuff's out of focus. And then with your ISO. The higher the ISO, the brighter the image, but also with the higher ISO, the greenier the image. Gotcha. So like you're doing, you're taking each of those three settings to like the max capability that it can do that still works. So something you mentioned was you said there's sensors in the camera to kind of show you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not like you're setting this based on feel and look and then just taking a picture and being like, I hope that works out. There's there's sensors within the cameras that you can, once you know yeah. what you're kind of doing, what you're trying yeah. to do. So the, the monitor does change. So like you, you can see it as well. Mm -hmm. Like you'll see the changes and then there's also the metering, which is the sensor. So like once you mess with all these settings, the meter is going to tell you to some extent like if your picture is too bright or if it's too dark. Gotcha. Yeah, there's like a middle line and then everything below it's negative is going to be too dark. Everything on the positive side is going to be too bright. And you kind of like just go back and forth. And sometimes I like to, you know, maybe lean P towards... Push the boundary a little push bit. Push the boundary a little bit more darker. And then later on, I'll realize, well, I'll just pull the shadows out. Or I'll make mm -hmm. it a little bit brighter. But if you crank those a little too weird, it gets, you know, so too crazy. That's like where other, like, advantages of having a nice camera for, like, situations where it's not the best lighting. One, your camera your settings capabilities you can find usually find something to suit that taking that picture pretty well and then with on the editing side like you're able to do more gotcha. with with that image that is like a little bit dark or a little bit too bright whereas you know phones and other things you're not able to do as much with that picture once it's once it's taken that's what you got right yeah. And so, again, it comes down to just it's a practice thing. Practice. And you're going to want to practice because you don't want to, like I we said. We ain't talking about practice. We ain't talking about practice. <laughs> it's like you practice. don't want to have, you want to be practicing that moment when you have, you know, you have to cut that panel pretty quickly. Like you mm -hmm. want to be able to make that a quick process. So. Yeah. No, do your homework prior. Mm -hmm. Right. Let me ask you about shadows. You brought up shadows. I mean, I, that's one thing I see quite a bit. You know, you see somebody take a, a picture and. It, it, I mean, it might as well be camouflage, right? Because yeah. it's just like an array of like sunlight and shadows and the animal kind of blends into it. Like, what do you, what do you do? There's a couple of things that you can do. Sometimes if it's an easy shadow to eliminate, like if there's a sun coming down and it's like going right on you and there's a tree branch right next to it, you can take a jacket, put that jacket over where that sun's coming in and try to block that. So that way it's that light's not hitting the antler, which then makes the shadow on your face. Or again, you might just have to try to drag that animal a little bit forward to get out of that direct sunlight. So you're not, you, like, you don't want half your animal in the sun, half in the shadow, because it should be a harsh photo to try to take a photo of, because you're going to have to, you know, expose for two different lights, like right. brightness and then the darkness. So do you pick one or the other, like all shadow or yeah, all sunlight? Yeah, I'd rather be all, all in, because then I can adjust things on my camera to take a better picture. Gotcha. But also sometimes, too, shadows can be creative as well. Mm -hmm. Like, if I have a, if I'm taking a photo and there's a big shadow coming off your beam, and it's going on the hide of the animal, that shadow could be pretty cool because it might be the antler tine, mm -hmm. like the outline of it. And that might be something just take a picture of the shadow. Yeah. Like one thing to do that, but that just could add to that extra memory because maybe it had like some weird kicker out there and you're getting both that kicker of yeah. the antler and, and, and again, I mean, I would reiterate at this point, like you can't teach creativity. I don't feel like, like I, you know, I, I'm creative to a point, but I'm not, I'm not. But I do think you can, you can put it forefront in mind and start looking th at things more often through, you know, like, oh, you know, 
take a rudimentary thing that happens every single day, like lunch, you know, what mm-hmm. is interesting about this process, mm-hmm. you know, this product, this bow, you know, this setting, this landscape, what are the, you know, the interesting things. I think, I just think you could practice that. I think, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think everyone's a lot more creative than they think. It's a lot of times you just have to do it. You don't practice it. Yeah. You, the more you do it, the more you realize what works, what doesn't work. And like understanding the whole process. Mm -hmm. It's just doing it. Yeah. Like even taking your camera and just taking a picture of the burrs, like the bases, Mm -hmm. maybe had a bunch of junk in there. He was just rubbing his antlers on something. Like that's just a cool photo to take. It's like not going to, it's not showing your animal, but it's like, that's just part of that memory that you're not going to get. Yeah. Got to gotta work at it. I just get out there and I'm just like survive and kill. That's right. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. This is one that like I've yeah. been, I've been wanting to have for a while. Yeah. Should, what, what's the, should we do a quick rundown of the harvest photo process? Yeah. Yeah. It's a quick rundown. We got first cleaning, positioning the animal, making sure it looks well presented, no blood, Tongue in the mouth. Oh, one one other one I forgot. What do you got? Man, if you shoot an animal with a with a bow, with an arrow, man, pull that arrow. Yeah, oh yeah, don't leave it jammed in the <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. Like yeah. if that if that arrow is is stuck in there, you didn't get a full pass through, man, pull that thing out. Yeah, that's not right. adding to anything. No, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Beginning process, cleaning up the animal, making it look well presented, no tongue out of the mouth, having a good spot. You're cognizant of like the shot. The shot looks, you know, you have that cleaned up. Clear out the vegetation. Yeah. Clear out the background if you can a little bit. If you need to drag that animal a little bit. Yeah, if you can. And then taking the picture. Just working on angles. And All the different angles. You got high. You got low. You got to the side. You got in the front. You got in the back. And then your different zoom levels with those different angles. Close-up shots. Medium shots far shots and then talking to your hunter a lot telling him hey that animal's tilted or your head tilted or hey your clothes are all weird like fix that your zippers down put your tongue back in your mouth (laughs) (laughs) tongue in the mouth even sometimes too i look at somebody's photos and you like you realize like you're leaning back like you're like some model pose or whatever like mine's always the cocked head yeah like ever since i was in elementary school i always did my homework just like this cocked head to the left same Mm -hmm. thing i do that with i I do that all the time my head's always kind of cocked to the left so and even what you're doing with your hands too like if you're holding with one hand one thing and your left hand's over here like maybe tell that guy to move his hand hidden hide it or even like grab one, grab your hand with the antlers once. Don't feel like to grip that sucker and with both yeah. hands or maybe one hand underneath, like experiment with different things yeah. when you're doing those poses. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of a personal gripe of mine. I don't like when somebody like, you know, grabs the whole, you know, the whole antler and like you can't really see like, you right. know, the main beam of a deer or something like that, you know. I, yeah, I try so to keep my hands away from it if I good can. Good, clear view of the antlers yeah making sure everything's in focus your best your best bet is to have the hunter and the antlers in focus and don't worry about just trying to make the animal look bigger than what it is be proud of what you shot take some photos if you want to take some other creative ones too but just or make it look big I mean, yeah, whatever, you, whatever you freaking <laughs> want man it's <laughs> your, it's it your animal it's sure. your time <laughs> yeah just just be prepared for people to you know yeah bring give a bunch you, of batteries give us some feedback <laughs> Snap away. How many how many batteries you take on a hunt? One. What? Hold how on. many how many do you take? Like four? If you're ta- if four I'm taking five. if I'm taking just photos, I could I can use I could 
Probably two. Oof. That's, I guess it's, it's harder for me because I do take a lot of more night photos, and those are kind of burning mm. up batteries, like doing some more. Yeah, exposure. photos don't usually burn your camera up too bad. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't take as many photos as you. memory cards, though? One. One? <laughs> I don't take as many photos as you. I take probably two to 300 photos. Okay. One, one random tip I'm going to give in terms of memory cards. So I'm, I, obviously, I'm different than you, but like when I pack my memory cards, if I know that night or that day I took a bunch of Harvest photos of someone, I will remove that card and baby that card the rest of the hunt. Like, yeah. I don't want something to get corrupted in that card or something weird Ooh, going we on. We just talked about this. When like, I will literally take that card out, put it in somewhere. Like, usually I have a little Pelican case that keeps things all watertight and protected and, like, put that to the side, put a fresh card in the next day if someone else is still hunting or whatever. Just, like, I don't want to lose those. I don't do a thing where I back up. I could have double cards in here and back it up. But that's just a lot of extra stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Knock on wood, and never lost any images. But I try to take them out and Smart. somewhere safe. Because you never know, especially never if you still got a couple more days. It gets rainy, mm-hmm. or you think like, oh water. yeah, this is this card has some old photos on it, and you forgot that you're at the front half of your of mm-hmm. your hunt, and you're like, I'm gonna format that card really quickly, and then you had some harvest photos on the back end of that card, and you just removed a bunch of them. Woof. Gotcha. Yikes. Hopefully that never happens. Yeah, and then lastly, I would just say, you know, keep your camera at hand, keep it close, and. You know, if it if it's something that's important to you, you want to document your hunt. You know, keep it forefront of mind. You know, think about situations, think about the the entire process. Look for, you know, those things that are interesting. You know, whether that's a you know a leaf or an animal or whatever it might be. Some you know some part of the process, a knife, mm-hmm. a product. You know, I I snapped a photo. It's not a great photo by any means, but like I had my camera guy in Utah on this elk hunt, and 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 he was just getting just his feet were just chewed up from the boots that he had. And so I've got some photos of just like that guy with, you know, his yeah. feet look like a mummy, like he's dressed up for Halloween. See, that, that's exactly what I was saying. So if you were to tell the story of that hunt mm-hmm. to somebody, that would yeah. be definitely one point that you'd bring up in the story. Like, Oh yeah, my cameraman's feet were just <laughs> torn to shreds. That's that. And then, you know, that's something that you should take a picture of. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I guess maybe one more thing I'm going to touch on. Sorry guys. Yeah, no, do it. We're here. When you take harvest photos, it's maybe just a pet peeve. And Neville knows probably what we're talking about. When I take harvest photos, I watch out for what that background is. You don't want to give away spots. I don't want to give away spots. Oh, yeah. So I don't think about that too much, but yeah. I'm always in the dark timber anyway. <laughs> yeah, you, oh God. I'm, not, I'm never in the open spaces. <laughs> yeah. I, just worry, I just think about that a little bit too. Like, hey, if I'm going to take this harvest photo and I'm going to share it, I, I might not be from that state. And that's, it's, yeah. It could be someone's backyard and they might hunt there all the time. So I'm just kind sure. of watching out for that just to like – what do you it's do about like, that? Close? Just take them close? Take them closer, or position the animal, or hope it's night, and you can do Photo, some Photoshop it later? I have. Just add add a landscape? Some, I've done some of that before. <laughs> add a third antler. Add a <laughs> Not some of that. <laughs> a unicorn. Add an, add an eye guard. Yeah. But so yeah. I, I, just, I just watch out for some of that stuff, too. I no, just, just want to like be careful, even though. That's a good tip. You know, some people might not care, but there's some people that might just look at that and try to find your spot. And Depends on the hunt too, right? I mean, if that's a tag that you can buy over the counter every single year, it's like you're saying, I mean, there are people that hunt those every single, you know, year in, year out. It might be a tradition and they might be really bummed out if mm-hmm. you start blasting, you know, a 200 inch buck on a ridge that they've hunted since they were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's harvest photos and grip and grins. Love me some grip and grins. Just well-presented animal, different angles, different zooms. Yep. Do your animal justice. Take some photos. Memories. 
Print photos, too. I got to get back to printing photos. Print photos. Yeah. My mom always loved back in the day when I would mail her a bunch of photos. My dad always will take a harvest photo, you know, even still. Like, if it's a photo that Neville's taken or you've taken, um, he always likes to print them out. And he'll often, like, if I, you know, if I see him at a show or something like that, he'll walk up with a print, you know. <laughs> so he, he, he still does that a lot. And it's it's kind of fun. I mean, for me, like, you know, I don't do a ton with them. Some of them are just kind of posted up around my office at home, but my kids think that's cool. Yeah. They, they pick them up and look at them. And I've got some ones that are pretty funny. Like I, I've got one of a bull I killed in Utah in like 2002. And, you know, I look at that photo and like it instantly takes me back to being just like a dumb 20, 21 year old kid, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Wrangler camo. I mean, you know, yeah. I like to think I've come, come a long ways. Take grip and grins, take more photos, be proud. Be proud. Have more memories to look on. Yeah. Because if you don't, you don't ever get them back. Like, you're not getting those photos back. You're not going to. You might never have that tag again. Might never hunt that species. It could be a once-in-a-lifetime type hunt, mountain goat, sheep, that sort of thing. Like, freaking enjoy it. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, my kids, it's, it's been kind of fun to, you know, to share with my kids, to let them look at, um, you know, photos of elk and deer and caribou and moose and stuff that I've killed, you know. I don't know what their dreams are going to be. I don't know if they're going to hunt, you know, and I don't really care. I mean, it'd be cool if they wanted to, but it's kind of fun to, like, be able to look back on, you know, your dad. I still have a picture of my dad. I remember very clearly, like, he's sitting on the tailgate. Uh, he's got, like, the old military camo, you know, and he's got his old bow sitting there, and he's got, like, a little fork and horn, you know, mule deer buck that he shot with his bow. And it's a super cool photo. I remember that one. I remember another one of an antelope that he killed that's in the front yard of the house, you know, that he, he brought it home and then took some field photos in the yard of the house. But, like, even that, man, I look back on that. Yeah, it's, it's, a cool it's, it's a pretty cool, you know, pretty cool picture yeah. to look back on and, you know, just see my dad as a younger man. So I, I would say, yeah, take, take photos. I mean, if not for you, which I think, you know, everybody kind of likes to look back on those and remember, but like, you know, friends, family as well. Yeah. All right, guys. What's the promo? promo. Hit, it, hit us with the promo, Brady, before we leave. All right. So as always, we want to give you guys a little treat. <laughs> Halloween's coming up. Halloween's coming I was going to say. <laughs> a nice. trick or treat. Yep. Hunting season's getting good too, boys. So you guys are almost done. I'm just starting. So. Mm. So, yeah, we want you guys to – we were just talking about earlier, like, application season's coming back around. It might be crazy thinking that, but, like, some people may have even started yet. Some people are already over, but application season's coming up. So, to help you guys out, use promo code PODCAST when you're signing up for either Insider. Uh, well, if for Insider, you'll get 50 points back to the Going Gear Shop. And what's really cool about that is everyone can use some gear. And this oh. is basically the only membership you have that gives you money back. Love gear. Like, oh, yeah. Love it. So, and it's like we talked about earlier again too. Like, it's a complete package when you when you sign up for Insider membership. You literally get all the research tools, so access to application strategy articles. Those are going to be ramping up here coming up. Diving into some more Insider only like tips and tactics for how to put tags in your pocket, how to navigate draw system, every state by state. You know, filtering 2.0, very powerful tool. Start diving in that for next year, and you get access to to maps. Mm-hmm. So you get gear, you get maps, you get Insider. So everyone wants to put more tags in. Everyone wants more gear. Everyone needs a mapping thing. So these promo code podcasts will get you 50 points to the gear shop. And then for a member or our maps only membership, you sign up for Explorer promo code podcast. That'll give you 20 points back to the go Hunt gear shop. And in addition to the Explorer membership, you also actually, like I said, all those gear rewards. So your person who's shopping, you're going to buy an optic. Why not buy it from go Hunt? get those points back and buy something else mm-hmm. basically for free by using those points. And you get access to point tracker. Yeah. So you can start tracking your points in different states and then 
I think people get so confused by point systems. Like if you have a Costco membership or whatever it is, they're like, oh, we have this membership reward program. And you're like, what's, you know, one point I might have 6,000 points. Or, and I'm yeah. like, what the hell is that? I don't know. But like ours is basic. It's 1.1 $1. $1 bucks, $1. It's the easiest thing ever. It's, it's super easy. So yeah, I mean, you buy a product, you get points back on your purchases. If you sign up with the promo code podcast, you get points, 50 points, 50 bucks. Yep. And we have a new thing in the website too. If you go to the, our shop, up in the upper right, there'll be a sale tab, and there'll be, I think it says 5X points. Yeah. And up so that's, that's 5X a, yeah, so it's, there's a bunch of items in the shop right now that you'll actually be able to get extra points on. So if mm-hmm. it says 15 points and it says next to it X2, that's actually 30 points to get back, which is $30. So a lot of awesome items in there that we have a little bit more points offering for it. So a little bit more kickback, and then it said you can use that points for whatever you want. You can bank them. You can save them. You can use it as a bank account and just save your points up and all of a sudden buy a sleeping bag with all your points and get it for free. Just mm-hmm. like that. We're paying you guys. For free. We're giving you money. Give take, you money. Take the money, use promo code podcast, end of story. Yep. Cool. Thanks, guys. That was good. Thank you.